Hey, it's Stacy from ClarityUnleashed.com, just recording today on a couple of topics. First, I want to make you aware that we have, I have, I keep saying we, I don't know who the we is, but I've got a guest coming up on um, sometime next week. We're scheduling it now, so you should hear from her soon. Her name is Patrice McClendon. She's a woman after my own heart. She leads a ministry here in Jacksonville and has an event coming up on March 14th. You can find out all about the event on Facebook. You look for Sista to Sista, Women Empowering Women. It is out on Facebook now. You can purchase your tickets. And we're going to hear more from her about what this empowerment conference is all about at UNF on, um, I say UNF. I'm pretty sure it's at UNF. But anyway, you can find and hear all about it from her directly very soon. All right, so that's one update. The second update is that I plan on having more guests this year. I kind of uh, have enjoyed sort of spilling my guts a little bit on the podcast, and I'm happy for you guys that have listened and provided some feedback on what you want to hear. And I feel like I want to get some more guests involved. One of my friends, and I'm going to put her out here now because I'm going to actually make her do this. Her name is Ronnie Salisbury. And she is um, a dear friend of mine. We spoke at last year's Common Ground Conference together on diversity. And uh, she refers to herself as a Christian who cusses. And you know what? I'm all for surrounding myself by real Christians. And that's just part of it, right? So I can't wait to get her on the line and see what she has to say about her Uh, faith walk right now, things that she is um, enjoying, things that she wishes were different, and just where she is right now and and, um, in her zone, deconstruction zone, which brings me now to the main topic, which is all about deconstruction. So I think that that word has gotten a bad rap. Have you heard about it? You may not have even heard of this term, but deconstruction is a term that's been thrown out for Christians who have, you know, you think about what's constructed. So we're, we're uh, gosh, I'm, I need to add some light. If you're watching me, I'm looking pretty dumb. Um, there we go. Now I'm too lit up. All right, we'll just start stop there. So um, I have this other light, but then it reflects off my glasses and that looks weird. All right, so sorry, podcast listeners who can't see anything. Um, All right. So anyway, when you think about something that's constructed and how it's built and all of the components of it, and it all goes together in a certain way, well, deconstruction for me is just looking at what was previously constructed and starting to pull some things away or maybe add some things in. It's deconstruction. Um, And I also am now visualizing Jenga, you know, the wooden Jenga games and you pull things out and hope the whole thing doesn't crash down around you. That's probably a pretty good analogy for what deconstruction feels like. And I know that in certain circles that I travel in, especially on Twitter, there are some, there's a, a bad rap associated, you know, the, the Christians that are going through this process get a bad rap and are even called heretics um, are referred to as having left the faith And here I am sitting in what I know to be that place. I know that I have been on a deconstruction journey for quite a while. And um, now 
looking at it and experiencing it, being in the midst of it and knowing that it's going to continue on probably for the rest of my life. I'm in this strange place where I realize that even though what I used to think has changed, that I have actually in the process of deconstructing and pulling things apart and asking questions and being curious and listening to all kinds of um, other viewpoints on scripture and on issues that I care about. As I go through that process, I, instead of feeling further from the Holy Spirit, I feel much closer to him. And it's a strange spot to be, but it's caused me to reflect. And I've done a lot of that reflection um, personally and kind of sat in it myself. So I'll be honest with you for a second and say um, that I've also, part of, part of my journey over the past couple of years has been seminary and getting into the seminary process and um, thinking about what that is going to mean on the other side. So when I get my MDiv, what am I going to do with it? And honestly, the, where I thought I might end up, or ideally what sounded good to me was for churches that are going through this transition process, and it could be that they are changing their thoughts about having women in leadership positions at the table, just women pulling up, sitting next to the men at the table, right? When churches go through that kind of a change management process, it can be difficult. And I'm all about change management. It's what I did in my career for over 20 years. Show me a change and I'll get a team through that change. I love it. So I thought maybe that drive that I have to be a problem solver and a collaborator and making these, um, finding these strategic solutions for companies, I could do that in churches too. I have a drive for leadership development and all that stuff. Maybe that's all going to come together now with, a master's of divinity and I can go in and help churches strategize. So as I sat in that for a while and started to think at the same time in my personal life, I was realizing that churches don't really seem to be wanting to do that too much. So how could I really even monetize that and make a career out of it? Because I just don't think it's going to happen. So what do I do? I don't know. Um, it's nice to be able to do ministry. I think Patrice and I will talk about this a little bit. It's great to do ministry and be paid for ministry. If that's your passion and your calling. It would be wonderful to be able to do that. And um, it's hard to figure out how that will work. Uh, so now thinking about the fact that I'll have this degree and maybe or maybe not, be in a church, maybe doing discipleship pastoring, maybe speaking at events, maybe doing coaching, um, maybe some of that strategy work here and there. Ideally, that's kind of what I, I would like, but it's it's hard to put myself in those situations and think about how that's going to work out. So, okay, so there's that. And then there's this other part of me that has been in this destructive relationship getting out of that marriage and being in this group a large group now a large community of women that are in a wonderful support group called flying free it's a flying free sisterhood with um, a wonderful woman named natalie who's leading the charge and 
and uh, brings and shepherds that, shepherds these women through these traumatic experiences in life and verbal, emotional, spiritual, financial, physical, all kinds of abuse. And uh, it's just a great shepherd of this group. So I'm, I've been in that group for a few years now, I think almost three. And um, at one point recently, she had referred to me as the pastor of Flying Free. And I thought, you know, that it took me by surprise. But I thought, you know what, that's, that's kind of uh, bringing all of this stuff together, bringing in the discomfort of deconstruction, um, partnering with, you know, the, this passion that I have for using my testimony to help other women who are going through this experience of abuse um, and recovering from that. So I had this neat experience today and was able to do a call with some of the women in that group. And I just felt like finally it hit me yesterday. I needed to do something kind of brave and just put myself out there. I was at a conference last week for Noonday Collection and um, learned a lot about fair trade, um, the jewelry and accessories that this company, Noonday Collection, um, makes or has made by artisans overseas. And seeing some of the, those artisans there that are so thankful for the opportunity to use their skills and strengths and be able to make money and get themselves and their families and their communities out of poverty. It was just, an, it was a very, it was, I knew it was going to be impactful. I, I went there expecting to learn more and I, I really was impacted. And as I unpack it a little bit more now, I'm even more um, impacted by it. Unpack, impact. So that conference we talked about being brave and doing things that require strength and bravery. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to take the bull by the horns and throw myself out there and see if I can, what it's like, just what it's like to talk to these women about deconstruction. Um, and it was fantastic. And it was, it started small spur of the moment. We just had a handful of people on there today, but it was amazing. Um, because that's, you need a safe place to do that kind of work. And it's helpful to be together and to talk about it and, and start out with just some questions and start to think about faith and what it means to us individually to be Christians and some of the hard questions that we have and um, being in a comfortable spot and a comfortable zone to, to get uh, all of that out there. So. I don't think that I'm alone in this either. Clearly not. It's all over social media. There are people that are going through this deconstruction process. But as I was sitting, I go to um, Beth Israel Messianic Synagogue here in Jacksonville, and I was sitting in um, the synagogue on Friday, and we went through this particular verse, and I need to find it real quick. Um so that I can read it to you. I believe where I'm headed is Acts 26. So I want to share a little bit about this verse. So I'm going to read it first. Acts 26, 14. 
I'm reading from the complete Jewish study Bible. We all fell to the ground. This is Paul, Shaul, and he is describing his experience on the Damascus Road. He says, we all fell to the ground. And then I heard a voice saying to me in Hebrew, Shaul, Shaul, why do you keep persecuting me? It's hard on you to be kicking against the ox goads. I said, who are you, sir? And the Lord answered, I am Yeshua, and you are persecuting me. But get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you to serve and bear witness to what you have already seen of me and to what you will see when I appear to you in the future. I will deliver you from the people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to open their eyes so that they will turn from darkness to light, from the power of the adversary to God, and thus receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who have been separated for holiness by putting their trust in me. This is a fascinating scripture. And when, when um, we looked at this on Friday, my thoughts went to the experience that so many of the women that I know from this group have gone through with their marriage, but it was an unexpected shift for me because um, most often when we look at this verse as women who've been in destructive relationships, we think about the abuser, the person that did us harm. We think about them as Shaul, as Paul, who we see as having a hard heart and God changing his heart. And we think, okay, well, that can happen in my situation. God has the power to go in and change the heart of this person who is doing the wrong thing, making bad choices. Um, in Shaul's case, in Paul's case, he was out there killing believers. So that's commonly what we think of. But here's what I saw when I started looking at this on Friday. I thought that this was an excellent verse for me. And I can put myself in Shaul's shoes and Paul's shoes. So I'm, I'm looking at this and saying, wow. So first of all, he's questioning God. Who are you? Who are you, sir? He hears the voice. And he's like, who are you? And the voice says, I am, and a voice says in Hebrew, I am Yeshua, I am Jesus, and you're persecuting me. He says that he has appeared to Paul to serve and bear witness to what Paul already knows of him. Paul was a Pharisee. He already knew the ins and outs of what we now call the Old Testament. He knew the faith. He knew the scriptures. He knew everything by heart. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. So he knew God. He believed that there was a God. He followed God, right? That's where he was at this point. He was already a believer. He already followed God. And then at this, this significant point in, in his life, Jesus came to him and said, you already know who I am but I'm letting you know that I'm going to deliver you from your people and from the Gentiles. And I'm going to work with you 
so that you can open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. He's, he's, he's waking them up and saying, hey, and this whole ox goad thing, it's, these are sticks apparently that were used to move and prod these large animals. So he's saying, you can stay in this place. I'm going to keep making it uncomfortable for you. I'm going to keep prodding you with these sticks. You can stay there if you want, but maybe what you should consider now is to follow me and do what I've asked you to do. I'm going to make it uncomfortable even more. The people, your people aren't going to want you. The Gentiles aren't going to want you, but I'm going to be with you in this process. I want you to go out and help open their eyes so that they can see the darkness and the light. So then what happens to him? Jesus causes him to be blind. And isn't that interesting that he's getting ready to minister to people who are blind and Jesus puts him in that situation. And then it's as if the scales start falling from his eyes. And that's where I thought, wow, in this period of deconstruction, that's exactly what it's like. Little, little scales start falling out off of your eyes and you start to see more and more and you start to question more and more. And um, you know what, when we were talking this morning, I was thinking exactly that, just that tension, the tension of knowing God's with you, but not knowing what's next, having just ministering to people who are in darkness. You're also in darkness. You're seeing light. They're seeing light. It's a tense process. And it's going to remain like that. There is a tension, but God is in the tension. And he's in the tension of our lives. And he listens when we ask questions. And it's important. I think, I'm pretty sure, and I haven't done this, but I bet if you Google questions asked of God and questions asked of Jesus, you'd probably find a slew of them. And that would be an interesting study to do. And I'm sure it's been done. But maybe that's something to take a look at. How many questions did people ask of God? How many questions did people ask of Jesus? A ton. Men and women both. Ask your questions. Get into the tension. Allow. I mean, you're already there. You're already in the tension internally. You just may not be talking about it. Be in the tension. Ask the questions. Minister to others. Be ready for the scales to start falling out of your eyes, and it's going to take you into an uncomfortable spot. But you know what? That's where he is. He's in the discomfort. I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to just internalize all of this and think about what what it means. But I think what it, one of the things it means is that when you're going through deconstruction, you're actually growing closer to the Holy Spirit. You're not doing what the world says. The world says, "Oh, you're asking questions." then you must not be faith-filled. You must not be a Christian. You must uh, be breaking away from the church. In fact, we don't want you here anymore. We're going to excommunicate you. Uh, you go off and into your darkness and do your question-asking thing. And uh, when you're ready to follow the rules, you can come back. I think that's what happens. And then this pocket of people out there who are actively questioning living in the tension the irony is that those those people are forming a community that's centered on god on light on ministering to others who are going through the same thing 
And before I take this down another hour, I'm going to stop and say thank you for listening today. I hope that this um, leads you on your own path of thinking and questioning and let me know what comes of that. And tune in soon when we talk to Patrice McClendon and also my friend Ronnie. And if you're wanting to be on the podcast and just have a free for all and talk about something fun, something weird, something cool, let me know because I would love to have you. So have a great week and I will talk to you soon.